Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. Back for a, a full week of shows. We had a, a couple of weeks where we were off a little bit with the All-Star weekend. But of course, we've recapped that. We're back to normal basketball and we're back with a Monday show for you. Uh, I'm your main host, Karsten. And of course, since we're back on a Monday, we're joined by the Monday's uh, co-host and of course, my good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I am doing good. I had a crazy week last week it being midterms but now i'm on spring break and life is much better there you go i think we can all we all feel you feel you there um so what you're saying is all-star break came at the perfect time yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) excuse me no yeah perfect that is that is awesome of course we're we're ultra happy to have wyatt back now that we're in the stretch run of the season again the week start of week 20 we have a 25 week that's kind of the way we've divided it for the show. A 25-week regular season, so we're down the home stretch, uh, getting into our more playoff focus. What are the playoffs going to look like? Teams are jostling for position. Uh, and let's recap some of that action from this weekend. Some crazy games, to say the least, over this last weekend. A lot to talk about. Um, of course, with our Monday show, we do what's called the five-on-five drill. Instead of recapping every single weekend game, because not every single game is – 100% interesting. We pick five games that are the most, you know, exciting, worth talking about, most important. And then we'll give you some notes from some of the other games, some other interesting things that happened. Uh, so let's waste no more time. Let's get right into it. The first game comes from Friday. And uh, this was as soon as this game happened, I knew this has to be one we talk about Friday night, the last game of Friday night's action. The Sacramento Kings win in Los Angeles against the Clippers. In double overtime, final score one seventy six to one seventy five. No, there's no there's no typos there. That is the second highest scoring game in NBA history. Collective score or total score scored by both teams. Um, unbelievable. And of course, you have plenty of players that had stellar scoring performances in a game like that. Um, again, the Kings end up winning in that second overtime. Uh, and the Clippers actually held bigger leads throughout this game. So kind of a the Kings escaping with a win in, in one sense of it, although they were competitive throughout. Uh, for the Clippers, it was the debut of Russell Westbrook. He had recently signed there, of course, as after his contract was bought out by the Jazz after that trade. In his debut, he had 17 points, 14 assists. Not a bad debut. He did have seven turnovers. But um, the scoring leaders for the Clippers were Kawhi Leonard and Paul George kind of as you'd expect, 44 for Kawhi Leonard, 34 and 10 rebounds for Paul George, 24 off the bench for Norman Powell, 19 off the bench for Nick Batum. Meanwhile, for the Kings, they were led by De'Aaron Fox. He had 42 points and 12 assists, uh, 20 points from DeMontis Sabonis along with 10 rebounds, and then 45 off the bench for Malik Monk. Uh, Stellar shooting, stellar scoring display, uh, those guys, along with the, the additional uh, efforts of the, the starting lineup, all the other guys in the starting lineup scored in double figures. The Kings come out on top. Um, Wyatt, what were your thoughts on this game? I mean, I, I personally didn't watch it live. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch it or see some of the highlights. What what did you think about when you, when you heard that this game was this score and went to that overtime and, and things like that? Yeah, that's it's wild for sure. And I did watch some highlights. I didn't watch the whole game live, but uh, I saw Paul George hit a 
like, you know, three quarters of the court shot, you know, milliseconds <laughs> after the after the buzzer. And, uh, you know, th- to think what this, you know, the score could have been prevented from getting so high with yeah. that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that kind of glad that it was a little late and kind of fun to see this because I just looked up the uh, highest scoring game in history. And it was wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me. I want to see if I remember this. Okay. Uh Pistons Nuggets in the 80s. Yep. You're ah, correct. Yeah, there we go. 83. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that there was that high of a scoring game that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 186 to 184. So you know, that's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, people don't realize that in the eighties, like early to mid eighties it was one of the faster paces we've had in NBA history. It is kind of surprising, especially with no big three point emphasis, but right. no, no. Yeah. Super exciting game. Um, and like you said, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be, you know, no offense Clippers fans. I'm not trying to root against you, but this whole season I've kind of been pulling for the Kings. It's exciting to see what they've been able to do. Hopefully they're able to break the playoff drought. Um, that's something exciting to watch. And and just this game in general, regardless of outcome, to have a game, you know, double overtime, ultra high scoring, it's just exciting. It brings more excitement to the league in general, I would say. So so definitely right. a, definitely a great game overall, regardless of outcome. Um, not much more, I guess, we can add to that. So let's go ahead and uh, jump to that next game. We certainly had to at least talk about it somewhat because it was just a, a remarkable game. Um, our next game comes from Saturday. Uh, this is the Celtics in Philadelphia against the 76ers, uh, stealing the game on a hectic last few minutes of play. 110 to 107, the Celtics win this one. It could have gone to overtime if it weren't similar to what you mentioned with Paul George, a, a Joel Embiid, uh, crazy shot, a crazy fling. Um, yeah, wild game, like I said, especially those last few minutes. Um at different points, both teams held substantial leads, and then it was closed right down to the wire. Um, for the Sixers, Joel Embiid did his usual thing, 41 points and 12 rebounds, along with three blocks. Uh, again, he was 0 of 1 from three-point range. Uh, if he was 1 of 2 in that, it was a, a three-quarter court heave, contested, and he absolutely drained it. Mike Breen was incredulous on the call. But unfortunately, it was, you know, a second too late. That could have forced overtime. Would have been one of the all-time classic games. But still a great game for him. 16 rebounds for P.J. Tucker. Surprising there. Uh, 19 points for Tobias Harris. 21 points and 8 assists, along with 3 steals for James Harden. So a solid all-around game for the Sixers. Um, But for the Celtics, they had uh, 6 players with 10 or more points. the lead, leading score was Jalen Brown in this case, 26 points. Jason Tatum a little bit off offensively, only 18 points. He did have 13 rebounds, but he did also have the game-winning three-pointer. Uh, dribbled, you know, hard drive, suddenly stopped, pulled back for a three-pointer in the last few seconds to get the lead. It was a tied game, and for all intents and purposes, a game-winning shot, even though it wasn't at the buzzer. Uh, So credit to him, credit to the Celtics. Um, This could be interesting because, of course, as we're getting down to – we're getting more into the playoff picture, Celtics-Sixers wouldn't quite be a first-round matchup. 
but there's every possibility it could be a second round matchup if you know let's say it, it ends up as it is right now Celtics are one Sixers are three if they both win their first round series then um they could actually no they still couldn't play it would have to be uh the conference finals for them to play but do you think that they of the teams what do you think the maybe a percentage i'm putting you totally on the spot here percentage mm-hmm. make up a percentage off the spot conference finals celtics versus sixers what do you what do you got it at the percentage of that game will happen or who would win that game percentage that that would be the matchup compared to celtics bucks uh you know Bucks, Cavs, any other kind of combination of those teams. What do you think the, you think the conference ch- finals? Yeah, the conference finals. Yeah, I think that that is a pretty likely. You know, it maybe thirty percent. Okay, I don't know if I were to give the Bucks like maybe I'll give the Bucks fifty-five, Sixers like thirty-five. Okay. And then so another. So you're doing it. Split. That's probably a better way to do it. Individual, like this particular team being in the finals, because there's all sorts of combinations we could do of teams making it yeah. to the finals. But a team's percentage chance, that's probably much better. Thank you, Wyatt, for for editing that for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, I think. Well, I think something that at times it goes both ways. You know, you think about teams that have fallen short or uh, have had playoff heartbreak in the past, it can go two ways. It can be something that defines that team and it's something you have to overcome or it becomes something that strengthens the team and makes them stronger in the future. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And we, with the Sixers and Joel Embiid in particular, of course, we, we've seen him have his fair share of playoff heartbreak. Uh, the one that comes to mind, of course, the, the playoffs versus Toronto game seven. They had every chance to win that game and go to a conference finals and, you know, have a chance to go to the NBA finals. And they lose that game on a, a wild shot by Kawhi. Embiid was, mm-hmm. Embiid was emotional. And so I kind of feel like with the competitor that Embiid is and the play that he's – the level of play he's had this year, Harden's strength as a co-star this season compared to other seasons, I feel like the Sixers have a pretty good chance of being that – you know, chip on their shoulder team that is able to take that past heartbreak and, you know, lock in and, and make a good run of it, not guaranteeing yeah. it, but I'm saying they have a good chance. And so I'm, I'm with you. I think they have, you know, behind Celtics bucks who have a little bit, just maybe a little bit more team cohesion and maybe some playoff experience, especially Celtics recently, you know, Sixers are right there. I'd say, you know, third, obviously in the standings, but also third as far as potentially getting to that conference finals. I think they've got a yeah. a great shot, absolutely. But yeah, credit to Tatum, though. That was an incredible shot. The momentum stopping on a dime, hitting that tough, tough three-pointer. Uh, incredible, you know. Um, let's jump to Sunday. So we've done a Friday game, a Saturday game. We now have three Sunday games for you. Um Sunday, it was just a pretty exciting uh, day of NBA action, and there's actually a game we left off that Bucks Suns game that came down to uh, the last you know minute or so was within a possession or two. Uh, the Bucks won that one, one hundred four to one hundred one. But uh, we had, I decided to go with three other games. The first of these being the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, 
and the Hawks win on a Trey Young buzzer beater, 129 to 127. Uh, a floater, the NBA website calls it a floater. It was kind of like a in between a floater and a, a mid-range one hand. I don't even know what to describe it. Jeremy Sohan free throw shot. Like it was something, something like that. Um, looking at the box score and the game charts and all that, Hawks actually held a pretty big lead in that second quarter. Nets clawed it back. It was pretty close throughout the fourth. Um, tied right at the very end. And then Trey Young uh, wins the game, of course, at the end. For the Nets, they were led by Cameron Johnson. He had 27 points, including uh, the shot that could have forced overtime had Trey Young not hit that floating shot. He hit a three-pointer from the corner. Um, they had three other guys with 20 or more points. A remarkable balance attack for the Nets. Mikhail Bridges with 24, uh, Dinwiddie with 20 points, and Cam Thomas off the bench with 22. Uh, but of course, for the Hawks, they won the game, and it was Trey Young who led them uh, in more ways than one, 34 points and eight assists. They got 28 from DeJounte Murray, 22 off the bench from Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, we can maybe use this as a segue to early get into early discussion about the Hawks and their new head coach, Quinn Snyder, who's going to be coming in starting over the next couple of games. Wyatt, we've mentioned in the past, we're jazz fans. Quinn Snyder, mm-hmm. a longtime jazz head coach, had a lot of success there. Do you think he's going to be an answer for the Hawks and kind of unlock some of the things that have been stagnant during the season? Or do you think that they'll maybe it's maybe a little bit too late to push that team to the next level in the East? Kind of what are your thoughts there? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it would depend on your feelings toward Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Like, personally, I'm not a huge, I mean, I don't dislike him, but I'm, I'm not like a diehard Quinn Snyder fan. So I don't Ooh, think he's okay. like the, I don't think he's like the piece that's going to, you know, totally, you know, make the, make the heat, I guess. Uh, I think, I think that they have the potential to take the next step. I just don't know if it'll be him that causes it and right another thing like you know he went there with with bogdan bogdanovich which is you know also a former jazz player right not quite uh, oh wait no that's boyan yeah okay. yeah there you go right right, right. <laughs> oh, i was like i didn't think boyan went there yeah so yeah. i don't know i don't think i mean quinn snyder obviously was a phenomenal regular season coach for the mm. jazz but we never saw anything in the playoffs really so you know right i I guess it's too early to tell (laughs) yeah yeah i i agree and that's probably going to be you know this season and the next there'll be you know people will be paying attention to yeah is quinn snyder like you said just more that solid regular season coach or is he going to be someone who can make a difference and the jazz just didn't have the right mix you know and and maybe it's a combination of both like you said we'll kind of have to see what that answer looks like um the reports are that he'll be able to start uh, with the team uh, mid to late, uh, you know, this week, Wednesday or Thursday, I think is kind of the timeline they're looking at. So he should make his debut fairly soon. Um, of course, the Hawks are a team that's been hovering in a, a weird kind of limbo spot. Right now they're eighth in the East, 31 and 30. Not bad, not, not good either. They're just kind of there. And with about 20 games-ish left in the regular season calendar, it'll definitely be worth watching out for what they're able to do. But, yeah, credit to them getting that win. Definitely a nice little 
uh, boost for them at this moment, uh, going into kind of a change for their team. Uh, let's jump to that next game, the LA Lakers. This was the second of the four Sunday showcase games, uh, the second of the ABC doubleheader as well. The Los Angeles Lakers winning in Dallas against the Mavericks, 111 to 108. And this was actually a huge comeback victory for the Lakers. They were down as much as 27 points in the second quarter, chipped away at that lead, took a lead early in the fourth quarter, back and forth throughout that whole fourth quarter, and the Lakers come out on top with the victory. Uh, despite some concerns about LeBron's foot, we'll get into that a little bit later with our news. For the Mavericks, uh, Kyrie and Luka leading the charge. That's kind of what you'd expect. Um, it's like the broken record we had before Kyrie got there, but now it's two players instead of one doing most of the offensive work. 26 points, nine rebounds for Luka. 21 points, 11 rebounds for Kyrie. Uh, 17 off the bench for Tim Hardaway Jr. 14 off the bench for Christian Wood. Uh, the other three starters, Holiday, Bullock, and Powell, each with six points. The triple six there, that's a little bit worrying uh, for those who are superstitious. But for the <laughs> Lakers, meanwhile, the Lakers led by Anthony Davis. Big game in this one. 30 points, 15 rebounds, uh, along with three blocks and a steal, doing it on both ends of the floor, as you'd expect. 26 for LeBron, along with eight rebounds. And then Jared Vanderbilt starting alongside Davis in that front court, 15 points and 17 rebounds, huge rebounding effort for the new Laker there. Shooter adding 16 points and the Lakers uh, get this victory. Um, I guess if I had to comment on anything, I'll kind of let you add your, your thoughts on that. It would just be uh, a tough break for the Lakers. You know, they have, they add D'Angelo Russell along with these young pieces and the young pieces are playing well, generally it seems but they've already lost Russell for at least a short amount of time with an ankle injury. You know, it's just like, it seems like something's going against the Lakers karma wise, basketball gods, whatever you want to, you know, attribute <laughs> it to. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why, if you have any comments on that or maybe comments on what the, the Mavericks are doing lately with Kyrie and Luca, but. Yeah, no, the Lakers, have definitely had a rough go over the last couple of years injury wise. And I'd really like to see him compete as a healthy team. You know, mm. not that, I mean, there's not very many teams that go a whole season truly all, you know, being all healthy, but you know, with less, with, with a more standard season, as far as injury goes, <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to see them experience that. Right. Um, In injury, not dictating the season as much as it has for the Lakers. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, I like the Lakers. I like LeBron. I'd like to see him compete. Um, And, you know, they have had, you know, like maybe they're figuring some stuff out the last few games. You know, they've won, but they really got to turn up the heat, you know, to make a to make a playoff run for sure. And then the Mavericks, you know, two weeks ago on our show, I talked about how I had high hopes for for them with this Kyrie move. I think it's a solid choice and, you know, maybe it has been, but they also haven't, doesn't seem like they've quite worked out their kinks either. Right. And, and I actually was following the score on this game and it started out like I checked it late in the first quarter and I think the Mavericks were up like 56 to 20 or something. And I was like, yeah. Oh, you know, they're great for, this is going to be great for the Lakers. And then, 
I look again, you know, in the fourth quarter and the Lakers are up and I'm like, what the heck? But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, like you said, the, Oh yeah. Both, both very interesting. Well, and like you said, the, the Mavericks, it has been a little bit early, so we still kind of, you know, passing on judgment until it's a little bit later, but yeah, early returns are kind of mixed. You know, we've seen some high scoring, uh, exciting stuff from the Mavericks. We've also seen, you know, them losing some games you'd maybe expect them to win. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on what Dallas does, uh, especially in that the wild, wild West, more wild than ever. Um, (laughs) Name certainly apropos. Let's jump to that last game from Sunday, the Denver Nuggets winning in overtime at home against the LA Clippers, 134 to 124. Man, the Clippers this weekend, maybe Westbrook is a guaranteed, Westbrook on the Clippers, guaranteed overtime game. I'm going to lock that in, confirm that that's what happens. (laughs) Um, But no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, big win for Denver, huge game individually for Jokic, but also a great game for the Nuggets as a whole. Nuggets actually led this game for most of the time. It looked like they might be victim of a comeback themselves. So Clippers gaining some leads late in the fourth. Uh, They end up forcing overtime, and the Nuggets kind of regain control in overtime to win the game. For the Clippers, Westbrook, another decent game, uh, 17 points. Uh, he started this game as he did the last one. It looks like his days of a six-man role might be over. Again, it's early. But uh, Kawhi Leonard had 33 points. Paul George with 23 points. Uh, 12 off the bench for Batum, 10 off the bench for Bones Highland. Uh, sure, Bones was looking forward to this return to Denver after he had been kind of you know, pushed to the bench in, in Denver. Uh, Mason Plumley added 10 rebounds of his own, but for the Nuggets, we mentioned Jokic, 40 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. Um, he, he didn't even make a three-pointer to get those 40 points. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, doing it the old-fashioned way, back-breaking stuff. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. adds 29 points and 11 rebounds of his own. Strong game for him. 21 and 12 assists for Jamal Murray. With those three firing on all cylinders, Aaron Gordon with a nice little complimentary game, six rebounds, six assists. Uh, this Nuggets team is going to be pretty hard to beat. Um, I imagine you're with me. Maybe we go back to that percentage game, but this time in the Western Conference, Nuggets probably have the best percentage chance of anyone in the West to make it to the conference finals. Do you have reservations about their playoff history and them coming up short in recent playoff series? Right, a little bit. They, you know, they've been right there with the Jazz the past few years where, you know, I mean, this year they're the clear leader in the West. Last couple years, that has been Jazz and Nuggets, like, you know, duking it out for that first spot in the Western Conference, and neither of them made it very far in the playoffs ever. So, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see the Nuggets go far, and I would... I would say that their chances this year are better than they have been of being in that Easter conference or Western conference finals. But there is, there is a little bit in the back of my mind where like, you know, there, there are some really strong up and cup coming teams like Clippers could be really strong if they figure some stuff out. Grizzlies have been strong. Uh, You know, the warriors always are a threat that's kind of just, creeping in so yeah i don't know yeah it's it i was gonna say we can't we can't forget the suns (laughs) they've recently added durant we have a little bit more on that in just a moment but yeah um 
the the Nuggets definitely have this is one of their better better chances in in maybe their franchise history, let alone within the last um, ten years. You know they've been battling for that spot. I think having Jamal Murray this season is definitely a plus. Yeah. If you remember the the bubble year, they made it to that to that conference finals against the Lakers, and Jamal Murray was absolutely tearing it up in the playoffs. He could be a big factor in that, but also um, it could be similar to the Joel Embiid thing as far as past playoff defeats could you know be something in their favor but they're interestingly enough they're one of the few teams in the nba to especially with the overall franchise success they've had and great teams they've never made an nba finals which is pretty uh surprising when you think about some of those players and teams they've had so mm-hmm. um you know it you mentioned i'm kind of with you as far as rooting for them it's tough because they're a divisional rival and they're kind of right, yeah. they're so close to us, but also like you know, they've they've come up short, and it's like yeah, I'd like to see them you know do well with it too. So we'll definitely, you know, they're they're a team to watch out for in the West. Maybe the team. But you mentioned Memphis; they're another team. It's Phoenix now, so it'll be a very exciting chase in both conferences. Um, that's our five games we're going to talk about. Let's go ahead and give you our our little additional notes. We call them our six men. I still feel like we need to figure out a name for that, a, a better name, but we'll go with it for now. Um, firstly, on Friday, Julius Randle did have 46 points in Washington against the Wizards. They won that game. Shout out to him. Nice little scoring game. Um, <laughs> one of the more important, more noteworthy rather things from Friday, uh, Clay Thompson just happened to have another 12 three-point game. Uh, three-pointers made. He made 12 three-pointers against the Houston Rockets at home in uh, in San Francisco finished with 42 points. I'm willing to bet that's the first time in NBA history a player's had multiple 12 uh multiple games with 12 or more three-pointers made. I can't bet a bet against Steph Curry in this case too much, but it, <laughs> it feels like that's kind of the case. A remarkable shooting for him especially over the last month or so. Yeah. Um Saturday, Mark Williams, the rookie I've been rooting for for the Hornets. He had a career night. He had 18 points and 20 rebounds, utilizing that 7-1 huge frame as their new starting center uh, helps the Hornets beat the, the, the Heat. Yeah, 18 and 20, along with a steal and a block. A presence inside. I'm uh, super happy to see that for, the, for yeah. them. And I for saw the- his block. Wasn't it kind of a clutch moment, too? Uh, it could have been. You probably know better than I. I didn't happen to see that particular play, but um, okay. No, he, yeah, he had a good game. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great to see that. Uh, on Sunday, this was kind of this was in a loss, so it's kind of odd to bring it up. But Nas Reed for the Timberwolves had a nice little game, nice all round game for the Timberwolves and a loss to the Warriors. He had thirty points, nine rebounds, three assists, five steals, and two blocks. And he made four of 11 three-pointers. I just thought that was an incredible all-around game. He's been very versatile. Excuse me. as He's been a backup center, but he's actually played a ton of games, excuse me, starting in relief of Carl Anthony Towns and sometimes Gobert, too. So mm-hmm. shout out to him. Great game there. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Damian Lillard dropped 71 points uh, <laughs> at home against the Houston Rockets. We probably should have let off with that, but... Um, yeah, rough week for the Rockets. 
Clay oh, Thompson boy. and Damian <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted, them. I wondered if you'd notice that. Yeah. Clay hits 12 threes, and then Lillard in the next game hits 13 threes. <laughs> Lillard overall, he was 22 of 38 from the floor, 13 of 22 from three, made all 14 free throws, 71 points, six rebounds, six assists. And I'm also willing to bet this is the only season where you've had multiple guys score 71 points in a game. That's got to be, I mean, yeah, I don't know for sure. But... I don't know either, but it would it would bode well. You know? the, the only season I can think of, and this was actually mentioned, the NBA, they do that little, you know, week preview thing, that uh, like five things to know going forward for the week. They mm-hmm. talked about the only season that could maybe rival this is that 1962 season. That was the year Oscar Robertson averaged a triple-double. Wilt averaged 50 and had 100 in a game. It was oh, that, yeah. that crazy season. Maybe somewhere in there, but otherwise, yeah, huge game. And they needed it because the next sec- second-best scorer for the Trailblazers was Jeremy Grant with 13 points. Oh. So, you, Big, know. you know, high roller there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, yeah, huge game for Lillard. Uh, we'll have a little bit more chance to talk about Lillard in a moment with our uh, – weekly MVP discussion, but for now, let's go ahead and shift to our key news. Oh, he made it to the MVP discussion? <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, I know, first, first time for everything, right? Um, no, yeah, we'll go ahead and jump into our key news. Uh, firstly, we mentioned it, of course, with that, that Hawks discussion that the Hawks have officially signed Coach Quinn Snyder to a five-year contract, which includes the remainder of this season, so I'm not sure if that's this season plus four years or this season plus the five. I'm not sure the exact specifics. Either way, it's a long contract. So he's got a little bit of time um, to, you know, establish his kind of, you know, system for the Hawks. So congratulations to him. Of course, we mentioned already we're, we're jazz fans. So we're, you know, whether or not we think he was, you know, a decent coach or a really good coach, uh, he's, he's solid either way and probably a, a good signing for the Hawks. Hopefully he's able to have some, you know, some great success there with Trey Young and company. Um, so that's that's our first news. Uh, secondly, the NBA has officially announced the 2023 playoff schedule. Um, of course, announced as much as they can. They have some loose dates as far as when, you know, each round will kind of start. They don't have, you know, each game specifically because a lot of that will depend on the matchups uh, in each round and each, you know, uh, each matchup, of course, but the rough schedule, they already had some of this. They they kind of knew when the play-in tournament would be, when the uh, first game of the finals would be. But uh, basic rundown, the play-in tournament is the week of April 11th through the 14th, those few days. That's the play-in tournament. Playoffs officially begin mid-April. Uh, first of May is the second round. Mid Middle of May is the conference finals. And very beginning of June, June 1st is the first game of the NBA finals. Uh, they do have each game of the finals scheduled. Uh, if you want a full schedule, again, that's available on the NBA website, but that's kind of the rough breakdown. So once we get into mid-April, that's where we're going to really get into the uh, get to the fun stuff, uh, quoting a movie that I guarantee no one has seen. So um, fun stuff there. Next, a couple of injury items. Firstly, for Milwaukee, pretty frustrating news for Milwaukee fans and for the Bucks in general. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo left Friday's game versus the Miami Heat with uh, quote-unquote right knee injury, which was sustained after knocking knees with an opponent. Uh, he later did not play on Sunday versus the Phoenix Suns after they 
kind of figured out what the exact injury was. He officially has a right quadriceps bruise. So he did not play that game. Um, hopefully he's able to return soon. I haven't seen any kind of specific timetable yet. Uh, Wyatt, I'm going to lean on you again as our residential uh, medical experienced person, much more than me at least. <laughs> uh, white, right quadriceps bruise. Does that sound like something that would sit someone out for couple weeks, couple days. What does that sound like? Yeah, I would say short term for sure. You know, usually a deep tissue bruise like that. It'll do an ultrasound, massage it out. I mean, it, from what I understand, they're usually pretty quick recoveries. Gotcha. Well, you heard it here first. Wyatt, thank you again. <laughs> again. Official diagnosis of three days. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We, Please no we, one quote me on any of this. <laughs> we we wish. Wyatt is close to being able to like officially comment on stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, at least a little bit of perspective. Um, another injury to talk about the Lakers. We talked about LeBron James. They have some concerns with his foot. He sat out a few games. Uh, at various points, especially lately, with some some foot soreness and things like that, um, he reportedly uh, injured it a little bit more severely, possibly in the Sunday game. It's kind of an odd reporting. Um, there's reports that during the third quarter of that Sunday game versus the Mavericks, he turned to his bench and said that he quote heard a pop in his foot ankle type area. But he did play the rest of that game, finished that game, played fairly well throughout the whole game. So um, the the report is his injury is going to be monitored closely over the next few days. Again, hopefully this doesn't take him out for too long. Kind of a bizarre thing for him to say, oh, I heard something that sounded like it was wrong, but then he stays in the game. Kind of odd. But again, we'll keep you, keep you posted on that. Um, another injury, the Warriors, uh, Draymond Green, he's now missed consecutive games with a knee contusion. Uh, this is an injury he sustained in Thursday's game uh, in Los Angeles against the Lakers. It was their first game back from the all-star break uh, after he bumped knees with Jared Vanderbilt of the Lakers. Um, reportedly in his, you know, kind of re- rehabilitating that injury over the last couple of days, he suffered a setback, quote-unquote. That was from uh, Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. That kept him out of Sunday's game versus the Timberwolves. So uh, he's missed some games. I don't think there's been a real update as far as an exact timeline. Actually, you know what? I think I did see something with uh, – it was on ESPN. Let me d- see if I can pull that up real quick. Uh, yes, screen. So he did have an MRI, uh, MRI done. He, his MRI is clean, so there's no uh, – when, when they say it's clean, Wyatt, that means there's no, like – broken anything no tears things like that right that's what i assume i i can't speak for sure on that one right um to the best of our knowledge it's so yeah uh he has a bruised right knee clean mri so he's questionable for tuesday's game uh war the warriors game on tuesday so it sounds like oh, if, yeah. if he's gonna miss time it won't be too long and could be back as soon as their next game so yeah clean and clean definitely would mean yeah no no breaks no torn ligaments none of that stuff so okay yeah no perfect so he should be back soon that's great to hear there um also positive injury related news for the mavericks uh maxi kleba has been upgraded to questionable he has missed quite a bit of time he missed the last two and a half months with a torn right hamstring. Um, he's, of course, not a 
uh, a star player. I think he's a serviceable starter, but he's been a big part of their team, especially off, off the bench and with their defensive identity. They've uh, had some defensive struggles in his absence, so that'll be great to have him back, hopefully within the next couple of games. Um, another bit of news, going back to the Bucks, kind of a side, well, interesting news. Uh, Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary has agreed to sell his portion of team ownership to Jimmy and D Haslam for three and a half billion dollars. Uh, quite a expensive amount. I think that's the third largest uh, ownership sale of any variety, whether it's full ownership or partial ownership, majority ownership, anything like that um, behind only the, the sun's purchase, which was just this very season and the purchase of the Denver Broncos of the NFL uh, which was just uh, within the last year or two. And speaking of the NFL, if you've heard of the Haslam's before, that's because they are the owners of the NFL's Cleveland Browns. Uh, Browns fans, from what I've heard, do not have the highest opinions of the Haslam's. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to see if any of that translates to the Bucks. but uh, certainly worth noting that huge uh, ownership change. Finally, real quick gauntlet style, I'll run you through the transactions. Firstly, the Pistons have bought out Nerlens Noel's contracts or contract, so he's going to be a free agent to potentially sign with a playoff contending team. Phoenix converted uh, Ish Wainwright's contract to a standard contract, so they've cleared up a, a two-way spot if they want to sign someone. The Kings have signed PJ Dozier to a standard contract and have waived Casey Akpala, who was on a standard contract. Charlotte Hornets have converted. Uh, Bryce McGowan's from a two-way contract to a standard contract. And finally, the Magic have re-signed Michael Carter-Williams after he was absent from the team for a little while. They've signed him to a standard contract to finish out the season. Uh, former Rookie of the Year, who has underperformed much of the time since that. But they bring him back, um, and that takes care of our news. Wyatt, any closing comments on any of these news items before we jump to our game previews? Uh no, I don't have any. I mean, exciting times. I think just to comment on the Bucks thing, I guess it's a a good time to sell. You know, if you know the Bucks being the successful team that they are right now, you probably made uh, yeah. a lot more money than having if you would have waited until they're, you know, past their success streak. Yeah, it's a good point. If you're trying to sell the Bucks ten years ago with rookie Giannis and Ursan Ilyasova and company, it probably wouldn't have been quite as big of a sale. But right. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a great point. Uh, let's jump to our game previews. So this is Tuesday through Friday, the games that are national broadcasts. Those are the main ones, but we'll also give you some bonus games that are worth paying attention to. All of the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time, uh, and. After I run through these games, why and I will discuss real briefly kind of the games we we think that catch our eye that we're we're looking forward to this week. Firstly, on Tuesday, TNT doubleheader, seven thirty. The Lakers are in Memphis against the Grizzlies, and then at ten o'clock, the Clippers play host to the Timberwolves. Since the Lakers are out of town, the Clippers host uh, in the Crypto.com Arena. I still can't get over that name. Uh, and then on League Pass at nine o'clock, the Spurs are playing the second game of their back-to-back games in Utah against the Jazz. Um, I added that one simply because the Spurs are now on a, is it 15-game losing streak? 
Let me double check. I think it's more than that. 16 game. 16, yeah. 16 game losing streak. So I would hate for the streak to end at the hands of the Jazz, but the Spurs are now on that watch where it's like, okay, when are they going to get that win? When are they going to get back in the winning column? So that's why I had that game. That's a league pass game again at 9 o'clock. Those are three games from Tuesday's action. Then we jump to Wednesday, an ESPN doubleheader at 7.30, the Cleveland Cavaliers in Boston against the Celtics. Uh, Nice classic Eastern Conference matchup there. And then at 10 o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers play host to to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Another interesting, that's a Western Conference matchup there. A couple other games to consider. League pass at 7 o'clock. This is the Durant watch. Phoenix Suns in Charlotte against the Hornets. The reports are that that is Durant's target date for his return. So you'll definitely want to pay attention to that to see if that's when he makes his Suns debut. And then at 8 o'clock on League Pass, the LA, the Los Angeles Lakers in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. That is a definite play-in tournament watch game. Those two teams very close in the standings. They're going to be battling over these last few games, trying to find their way into the play-in tournament, maybe even the playoffs. So definitely a heated matchup to watch up to watch out for there. Uh, then on Thursday, we only have four games on Thursday compared to uh, Tuesday and Friday, we have 10 games. We also have nine games on Wednesday. Only four games Thursday, The uh, two of those being a TNT doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Dallas Mavericks host the Philadelphia 76ers. And then at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors host the LA Clippers. Clippers-Warriors, about eight or nine years ago, was a pretty heated rivalry in the NBA. Not quite the same, but you still have the star power there. You have Clay Thompson. Maybe Steph Curry. I'm still not sure of the timetable, but we're certainly hoping for his return as soon as possible. And then for the Clippers, you have Westbrook along with Leonard and George. Uh, Certainly exciting to watch out for. Uh, And then on Friday, we have 10 games again on Friday. An ESPN doubleheader, firstly at 7.30. The Brooklyn Nets in Boston against the Celtics. And then at 10 o'clock, the Memphis Grizzlies in Denver against the Nuggets. Uh, The second of those games, Grizzlies-Nuggets. We mentioned the Western Conference chase. Those are your two top Western Conference teams. That'll be a great matchup, certainly. And then one more to consider, league pass at 8 o'clock. The Miami Heat play host to the New York Knicks. Uh, a renewal of an old-school rivalry, but also two teams competitive in that Eastern Conference looking for playoff and play-in positioning. So I think that'll be a great game to watch out for as well. Um, Wyatt, a lot of great games to pick from. I'm curious kind of what, which ones stand out mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, there are a lot of great ones, like you said. Uh, Grizzlies and Nuggets, obviously, like like you said, you know, top two teams in the West. That's gonna be a great game. I'd really like to watch that. Uh, also up there, Cavs and Celtics is gonna be a really solid game. Two of the top teams in the in the East. Although you know, Cavs are still doing really solid, but it seems like they might have lost a little bit of an edge lately. Uh. So I'd expect the Celtics to win, but regardless, I think that's going to be a, a fun game to watch. The Suns game, you know, the KD return would be great to see, but they're playing the Hornets, not super, uh, I don't know. I probably would only watch that for Kevin Durant if I watched that. But the yeah. Lakers-Thunders game, like you mentioned, those... Although those two teams are at the bottom of the West, it would be fun to watch for the sake of the competition to get into that play-in position. Um, but 
yeah, if I had to pick my top two, I'd probably watch Grizzlies and Nuggets play on Friday, and then, uh, yeah, probably the Cavs and Celtics. Yeah, no, Cavs, Celtics, both games going to be very good. Uh, you mentioned the Cavs maybe a little bit. Uh, not as hot as they've been in the past. Uh, they're still putting the wins together. Um, I think some of it comes to Donovan Mitchell. His play hasn't been as out of this world as it was at the beginning of the season. Right. Um, over his last 16 games, he's, his averages are a little bit closer to kind of what we had with the Jazz. Uh, about 22 points per game, five assists or four and a half assists, four rebounds. Um, and that's not to detract from Mitchell at all. It's just to say that he's had a little bit of a, uh, a less exciting stretch of games, you know, could be, yeah. a, could determine things going forward. Could just be a slump. And that's all it is. Just something worth noting going into that game. Right. Um, I actually have one other game. I forgot to mention Sixers and Mavericks. I think that would be a really fun game to watch as well. Oh yeah. Really solid. The, uh, the individual matchup of Embiid, and Doncic and their personalities. And then you add Kyrie in the mix. Yeah. Just the, the extracurriculars outside of the basketball, I think with that game would definitely be worth watching yeah. out for. Well, uh, and, and Harden too. Oh, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Kyrie and Harden, <laughs> their, their history as teammates, there could be a lot of an intrigue in that game for sure. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to add, you mentioned that Lakers thunder game. I'm curious to see, I don't think there's that either team's really thinking about it, but who did LeBron break the scoring record against? It was against the Thunder in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And now they're in Oklahoma City. I doubt there's any kind of aftermath of that game or the matchups. I mean, the Thunder won that game. That's kind of what's in the back of my mind as that game happens. Um, yeah, Suns Hornets, of course, if you're going to watch that game, it's probably for Durant. No offense, Hornets fans. Um I one last comment again. I said it already. I just hope the Jazz don't lose to the Spurs. I don't want us yeah, to be the ones. <laughs> <laughs> and we've made our way back up to eighth in the West, you know. So yeah, it almost was us uh, two nights ago. We were down like through the first half against the Spurs, and I'm like, are are we going to be the ones really? And then we pulled it out in the second half. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a little anxious about that one. But yeah. As we said, I think overall it's a great week of action scheduled, and I'm I'm definitely excited, looking forward to a lot of those games. Um, with that being said, let's jump into uh, the real meat of today's podcast, and that is our power rankings. Of course, uh, each Monday show, why and I give you our individual power rankings, and we also name a weekly MVP. Um, for this week's, we have a touch of a difference. Uh, just wanted to preface this, of course, with the All Star break. Uh, not this last weekend, but the weekend prior, we had a bit of a disruption. We had two weeks that were abbreviated to an extent. Um, week 18 was uh, Monday through Thursday, only about four days. And then week 19 was this last Thursday through Sunday. So we had a, basically a week combined between the two. So we decided to use that as uh, the the way to structure it for this. We have a our power rankings for weeks 18 and 19 instead of just one week. And then with our MVP discussion, it'll be the same thing. The MVP for those two weeks, since those total games are about the same as we had for uh, our normal weeks going forward, uh, or in the past, rather. Uh, Wyatt, as I've done in the past, I'm going to let you kind of lead things off. Uh, but I'll lead you in by saying, as you said, our power rankings are pretty similar for the most part, especially at the top. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I can, I can highlight, you know, my my power rankings and maybe you can point out a couple of differences we we do have, but mm-hmm. I've got, you know, Bucks back into first. I was a week later than Karsten at reinstating them to their top position, I believe, or or no, it looks like we're the same. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, I think we're the same on that part. Yeah, so Bucks have been really solid, you know, won their last 14 games, um, which, you know, great for them. They're still second in the East behind the Bucks, but or behind the Celtics, but I think that the Bucks all around are, you know, a little stronger team as far as looking into the looking into my crystal ball here and the future playoff uh potential. So then I've got Nuggets, clear leader in the West, and then Sixers, Grizzlies, Cavs. Uh I did swap the Grizzlies and the Cavs from the previous week. The Grizzlies moved up one and the Cavs moved down one. Right. Kinda, you know, based on what we already discussed, Cavs maybe not quite as hot as they were earlier in the season. And yeah, fair enough. You know, Grizzlies still looking really, really good, but they haven't been playing out of their minds either, really. Uh, Kings are following the Cavaliers still doing incredible somehow you know Carson's a huge fan of the Kings and I like him as well it's just I'm trying to figure out how they're doing so well (laughs) (laughs) but you know great for them then the Knicks uh and you know this patch this this group of four right here has been really tricky for me Knicks Suns Clippers and Mavericks really solid teams all four of them, all pretty close as far as uh, their, you know, winning percentage and, you know, their potential in the playoffs in my mind. I think if I were to have to pick one that is, you know, actually the top dog of all four of those, I'd probably say the Suns based on their recent signing of Kevin Durant, but you know, that could backfire too. And I'm, and you know, maybe it's going to take some time to work out and they might go through a rocky phase here, but kind of doubt it. So currently the order is Nick Suns, Clippers, Mavericks, but I would kind of expect the Suns, Clippers, Mavericks to move up and the Knicks maybe fall a little bit, uh, just based on the star power. Right. Here on the other teams. Despite the Knicks' four and zero record over the last right, few games, right, they they and that's what kept them in the uh, first position of those four teams. Is they they did go four and zero last week. They have a little bit better percentage um, winning percentage than these other teams as well. So you know they're they're holding on for now. I and they have a solid enough lead on them that I I didn't feel like I could just drop them this week but we'll see how it goes going forward other than that heat dropped five positions for me and I should mention that the Mavericks also dropped four Mm -hmm. but you know they they might be figuring some stuff out and I, I think they're still playing really well I mean they have lost half of their games in the last 10 games but 
I I think that you know they're doing just fine. It's just kind of circumstances of, of the power rankings that dropped them four. But the Heat, they're dropping five, was truly based in they have not been playing that well lately. Right, zero oh, and four in the last couple of weeks. Right, yeah, they're on a yeah that four game losing streak. So you know, not great for the Heat. Pelicans also dropped six, still suffering from the. Uh, injuries on their roster mm-hmm. and other than that you know not a not a lot of movement bottom packs the same raptors moved up a few spots and the thunder fell a few spots but uh nothing super significant in the in the lower half of my power rankings right and and i would yeah especially those groups where they're you know play in chasing we still have a little bit of time so the the, you know, we're not sure the exact specifics of what each team needs to do quite yet, but we're getting closer, of course. Um, right. Your bottom six didn't move at all, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's probably valid. Um, I had a different change. I guess I'll use this as my segue to get into my power rankings. Yeah, overall, pretty similar. But there's a few differences. For me, my bottom group, I actually had uh, the bottom seven staying the same the bulls are that seventh lowest team uh but i actually swapped my bottom two uh the, the rockets have moved into second worst and the spurs have taken that bottom spot they both went zero and four the last couple of weeks the spurs still have the better overall record by just one win but as far as you know that 16 game losing streak they've earned for lack of a better word <laughs> that that bottom spot so uh, right and again it's it's nothing against the spurs and probably for the spurs fans they they might love to see that because then it's just going to improve their chances in the draft lottery uh as that comes up towards the you know the summer and so on so yeah. that's sorry, kind of rockets. my bottom spot <laughs> yeah sorry sorry your, rockets. Your nine game losing streak is not good enough. <laughs> nine game losing streak is pedestrian <laughs> you still have you still have a win in your last 10 games that's not a it's not good enough for the bottom spot um yeah. <laughs> and then yeah for the the top group uh pretty similar to wyatt's you know bucks switched the celtics for that top group and it's nothing that the celtics did wrong but similar to the Spurs thing, when you're the Bucks and you have a 14-game win streak, uh, that kind of, you know, it's hard to not recognize that and feel like they should have at least a top spot for right now. So they have number one, Celtics two, Nuggets three. That top three group has been kind of ironclad for a while. Um, Sixers and Cavs, I swapped them back. I, had, I swapped them a couple of weeks ago for the Cavs to be above the Sixers, but now I'm switching them back Sixers four, Cavs five, Grizzlies, Kings, Knicks, Suns, uh, then the Nets round out my top 10 instead of the Clippers. Um, That's the only team I have in my top 10 that Wyatt does not. And again, there's every argument, and I think it's a valid argument, that the Nuns, the the Nuns, the Nets should be moved out of the top 10 simply because we know what the outlook is for the team post Durant and Irving. Um, but record wise, you know, they're still kind of clinging on. So I'm, you know, holding out for at least a little while, um, you know, and then similar to why you've got Clippers Mavericks heat kind of in a group there, not a ton of change. I mean, the the heat and the thunder fell big for me. 
Pelicans fell three spots as well, pretty similar to Wyatt's overall. I moved up to Jazz three. They're now kind of middle of the pack. Uh, 16th, it looks like. So go Jazz. They were three and one in the last uh, stretch. Other than that, really not too much to comment on. Again, very similar between the two of us. Um, of course, we will have our power rankings, our top 10 at least, posted on our Instagram account. We'll take this as the opportunity to, to self-promote if you want to check out the Instagram account. That's crossover across time, all one word. On Instagram, we post content from the show. We also do our best to share content from across the NBA. So definitely check it out uh, along with listening to the show. Uh, with that, let's let's uh, let's waste no more time. Again, not too much to talk about power rankings. Let's jump to the weekly MVP. Uh, if you're new on the podcast, uh, here's how our weekly MVP works, or in this one case, our bi-weekly MVP uh, we take uh, kind of the 10 most standout performances from the last week or players that had the best you know, stretch of games over that time and pick an MVP. We uh, focus on players with winning records, with statistical traditional standout stats, good plus minus, percentages. Again, winning basketball is important. And we pick the 10 best, and of those 10 – we then name a MVP for that week. Um, looking at our candidates, we have this week or the for these last couple of weeks, we have Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, Lowry Markinen, Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Clay Thompson, Drew Holiday, LaMelo Ball, and Jalen Brunson. Uh, I'm excited about this week for a couple of reasons. Probably the biggest one, we have a lot of first-time candidates a lot of names that we haven't had on the list prior so that i'm excited about uh i'm going to take the time or use this time to turn the time over to wyatt to get us started names that jump out to him uh kind of because that's what we do but also because i'm remembering uh or realizing i forgot to grab the marker the for the trophy oh, yeah so, <laughs> so i'm gonna let wyatt talk for a minute and i'm gonna go grab the marker all right so Looking at the MVP candidates, obviously we cannot disregard Damian Lillard and the the past week that he has had, like two weeks. You know, he had a 71-point game, averaged 50 points over the past three games. You know, incredible performance by Damian Lillard. He also shot great percentages uh 54% from field goal 49% from 393 free throw percentage so you know really solid performance by Damian Lillard he was kind of the first guy to really jump out at me uh outside of him i actually am pretty intrigued by Julius Randle's performance this last couple weeks 4 and 0 uh and then he also had some really solid percentages, 50 from the from field goal, 42 from three, 94 from free throw line, and, you know, solid, solid defense, almost a block per game, few, very few turnovers, only two, I mean, seven and a half rebounds. Julius Randle had a phenomenal week as well. I mean, only 30 points per 
game as opposed to Damian Lillard's 50. But... Only. <laughs> yeah. Well, just in comparison to Lillard, it seems right, small, yeah. though obviously it's not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned Randall. He definitely jumped out to me, of course, 4-0 and in that week is was pretty standout. But, um, you know, we can't ignore LaMelo Ball especially as I believe this is the first time we've had his name in this mix. The Hornets mm-hmm. generally this this uh, this season have struggled. This week, we forgot to mention with our power rankings, the Hornets, they went 4-0 this week. They didn't move because they had kind of dug themselves a hole that it was tough to move them up really any spots in the power rankings. But they went 4-0, and Lomelo had some impressive stats, 27 points per game. 11 and a half assists. So averaging that double, double points, assists plus about nine rebounds per game. Turnovers were a touch high, which is a fair, you know, argument. And his percentages, you know, could have been better. I mean, he was 42% from three, which is great, but then he was 44% from the floor, which is just average. Wow. Uh, 77% at the free throw line he is a, a plus five over those four games. You know, I think, uh, he would be a name I'd like to see in that mix. I don't know if he's a top name as far as this particular group. Of course, we have a lot of the names we've seen already, Embiid and Tatum, um, Jalen Brunson we've actually seen before as well. Um, yeah, Lillard, it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to ignore that, though. 50 points over those games. Of course, helped by 71 in one particular game, but still. Um, and if I had to – if I was advocating for Lillard, I'm not really – you know, pushing for any particular player yet. If I was to advocate for Lillard, I would say looking at his team compared to what he does, especially over these last few weeks, he's had to really kind of carry a lot of that weight, which uh, sometimes is a big, uh, big plus for that MVP type conversation. I don't know mm-hmm. if that sways you Wyatt, in any sort of way or your thoughts on it. No, I I agree. The supporting staff there for Lillard is definitely, uh, you know, lacking compared to some of these these other guys and their and their teams. So we we definitely shouldn't ignore De'Aaron Fox as well. Uh, he had the second highest scoring average of our candidates, thirty five points per game, uh, about seven assists. Again, turnovers a little high, but he also had two and a half steals. So it kind of cancels out the turnovers in some of those cases. The percentages right. are pretty great too. 61% from the floor and 45, nearly 46 from three-point range is very good. Uh, a little low from free throw, only 72%. But, you know, plus, plus three over that span. They got a huge win in that game against the Clippers, three and one over that stretch. Uh, I would put him in my, you know, top five of these 10, maybe even top three. I think he's certainly well-deserving. Right, yeah. I mean, another really good performance is Embiid. Uh, you know, he had a two-to-one assist ratio, which, excluding Jokic, is really good for a center. Five assists and only two-and-a-half turnovers. Mm. And then, of course, he did his thing with 13 rebounds, 30 points, a steal, and two-and-a-half blocks every game. You know, he 10% from three, which is, you know, obviously bad but he's a center and <laughs> I, I don't know how many 
shots he took from three. Was he one for ten? Um, I'd be willing to bet it was maybe more like two for 20, although that might seem high, but he does shoot a good amount of threes for that center position. Yeah. Let's, let's see if I can track that down for you. But I was looking today, we don't have anyone that's like got a crazy high assist to turnover ratio. And then I realized this is like, I think the first week we've not had Jokic on here as a candidate. That's It's very possible. And he yeah. maybe could have been in there too. Um, he just didn't have the high scoring average. Um, but at the same time, maybe it's worth, you know, giving some other guys a chance. I know that's not the, right. yeah. <laughs> the way we're supposed to look at it, but sometimes it's hard to not look at it that way. But um, right. no, yeah, you were right. Embiid, one of 10 from the three point line over that, those last couple of weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, you know, Drew Holiday, he had a solid assist to turnover ratio, seven assists for 1.8 uh, turnovers. And, you know, he, he had a pretty solid week as far as percentages go. And his plus minus score was uh high second or third highest on our list here mm. behind Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall. So I don't know. We have some really solid names in here, but I, I gotta say, I'm not like sold on one. I'm not even sure who I would be rooting for. Pro- I would probably be have to stick with my initial um, you know, gut feeling of either Lillard or Randall would be probably be the people that I'm rooting mm. for. Yeah, I mean, it, there's it's hard to find someone better with the all round game performance than Randall. Get a really great all round performance. Um, if I was to advocate for Embiid this time, I would suggest you know, you think about that Boston game, their one loss if that shot had been just a few seconds prior and he had tied the game, forced overtime, they found a way to win that game. He's now 4-0. and They beat the Celtics. They had a tough week, and he mm-hmm. has these averages. So that's something to consider. But yeah. the the percentages weren't as good as, as Randall, and that's also something valid and something worth uh, taking into consideration. So, But I'm with you. This is tough. You know, There's a lot of great candidates. Um, you know, we could advocate for Clay Thompson, even, even, you know, it was, they were three and two. They weren't, you know, a standout team over that stretch, but his shooting display was pretty phenomenal. He didn't have a lot of all around games. So he's, you know, maybe lacks in that department. Tatum has that odd distinction of going three and O and having a negative plus minus. Yeah. <laughs> negative 4.3, which is odd. And I guess hurts him in this case, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, I really don't know where I'm feeling we should go on this. Maybe we should start by eliminating names that we think shouldn't, you know, aren't quite as good as the names we've kind of pointed out. Okay. Maybe, maybe that'll help us. I'll start with uh, uh, sorry, Lowry. I love you, man. The finisher, but I mean, he had a good week 33 points per game. They were 3-0. He had eight rebounds. Outside of that, the numbers aren't as stellar as they could be. Yeah. And that and that is a valid part of this MVP conversation. So I'll eliminate his name for this week. I'm sorry, yeah. Lowry. Hopefully you're on this some other time. Props um, for shooting 100% from the free throw line is a big man. 
absolutely there, but <laughs> yeah he he had a great free throw shooting week he was only about 28 percent from three so he struggled at times there um we mentioned clay but let's maybe also take his name out of consideration because of the all-around game aspect that we kind of talked about yeah uh so that leaves lillard fox and bead randall tatum holiday ball and brunson uh, who's the next name that you would maybe want to take out of consideration? Um, probably. Ah, it's hard. I, I was gonna say probably Tatum, but you know, hit his performance was a little lower than what we've seen, but he was still, you know, there all around. Like he had, he had you know, decent numbers in every aspect. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe we compare Tatum to, you know, Randall, Lillard, Fox, and Bede. This week, he doesn't stand out as much as those guys, maybe, if we're going right. to yeah. frame why, why we take Tatum out. So I guess, so I'll probably be with you there. We take Tatum out of this. Um, as much as I love this guy too, Jalen Brunson, again, the numbers don't stand up quite as well as some of the other guys. So we'll maybe take Jalen Brunson out too, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So that narrows it down to six. We have Lillard, Fox, Embiid, Randall, Holiday, and Ball. And again, they're all pretty good names. Um, you already kind of talked about Drew Holiday a little bit, right? 4-0 and plus-minus was there. Assist ratio was good. Yeah, assist ratio is solid. Uh, steal a game, a little bit of defense in there too, not fouling too much. Great percentages. Um, oh, geez, I don't know. Again, it, well, maybe maybe I'll take this time. I already advocated it for him, but now I'll maybe eliminate his name, Lamelo. Should we take Lamelo off this list? Yeah, I was I was thinking that as well. Just looking at you know he's right next to Holiday on our list, and he, I feel like he has similar but less significant numbers than holiday if yeah. that makes sense sorry lamello i still think you had a good week but not quite as good as some of our candidates so so that's five now and yes. uh man this has got to be as far as closest most closely contested weekly mvps we've had this has certainly got to be up there i, I can't remember right. a time where we had more trouble narrowing down um do you have a, a thought as far as another name we could eliminate from this mix? Um, I was I was thinking more on like, you know, I'm I'm looking again at Lillard's numbers, and he's got 15 more points per game than De'Aaron Fox, the next highest. Good point. And double the rebounds, you know, for a point guard, he's getting seven point three. He's got seven point three rebounds, and the assist to turnover ratio, as well as total assists, wasn't impacted too much comparing, you know, the overall scoring Lillard and Fox. You know, like Lillard has fifteen more points, but he only averaged an assist less, and the turnover, right. the turnovers, or the assist to turnover ratio was a little bit less. Um, but the defense wasn't as standout, which we wouldn't expect, right? Lillard's right, yeah. not really a standout defender, um, but the percentages, especially for his volume, were good. So you think maybe we take out De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, probably, especially since, like, 
I mean, yeah, the assist to turnover ratio wasn't as good, but also I think Fox has a better support supporting cast, you know, so it might be a little easier to get those assists than right. maybe for Lillard. I don't know. Right. Well, that's a good point. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, so that is so that brings it to four. Lillard and Bede, Randall and Holiday. And uh, I don't know. Do you think we maybe eliminate Drew Holiday from this mix? Comparing it to the other three? Um, uh, yeah, the only thing polling for him is that assisted turnover ratio is really solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, also his three-point percentage was the best on our list currently. It's pretty good, yeah. Well, I mean, outside of Embiid, I think just about everyone had a really good to a unbelievable three-point percentage. Yeah. I mean, Randall's 42 looks weak compared to the other guys, but 42% from three for a week is still really good. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, we maybe take Drew Holiday out of it. So we have Randall, Embiid, and Lillard. Mm -hmm. And... uh. You know, you're arguing, or you're saying Lillard's to be averaging 15 more points than the next guy up. And Fox was the second, you know, points per game guy, regardless of wins and losses and and any of those things that I use to kind of thin out and pick the certain players. Overall for the week, any player, any team – Fox was the second leading points per game guy and he had 35 points per game and Lillard had 50 and right. there's more than half the league doesn't average 15 points per game, you know, like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> that, that kind of, you know, it's hard to ignore that the percentages along with it for that high volume. We talked about the, uh, you know, team argument, the rebounding and assists along with the scoring I'm kind of talking myself into Lillard. He was the first name you mentioned. Do we want to, I mean, we've done this little weeding it out, but do we want to kind of go with that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm leaning toward. I mean, looking at the other guys, the big standout thing for Embiid for me is blocks, you know, two and a half per game, which is great. Uh, uh, And then, you know, solid assist to turnover ratio for a big man. Mm-hmm. And then Randall has just got, you know, solid stats all across the board, but nothing super standout except for, you know, maybe his, his field goal percentage, but his field goal percentage is, I mean, Lillard has superior percentages in every category except barely free throw percentage, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of regardless, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty set with with Lillard looking at it again. I mean, Randall, great performance and good mm-hmm. job, Knicks. But, yeah, I, I think I'm up for Lillard. Right. Well, yeah, and as much as winning matters, it's important to our little conversation here, it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all to that extent, right? We don't want to pick a, a guy his whose team was five and zero simply because they, uh, you know, 
just because his team was five and zero and his averages were like ten points, and obviously he wouldn't be in our conversation. But you know, I think we shouldn't ignore what Lillard uh, has done. He will join. Uh, so, so we're good on that, Wyatt. We're gonna lock that in. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Perfect. I'll throw in a little plug just for, uh, just for Julius Randall for the sake of, uh, you know, being a respectable runner up. Is that you know he did this in 34 minutes per game, so a little bit less time than the than the other guys had, and also, you know, he kind of had to share the spotlight quite a bit with Jalen Brunson, who was also one of our candidates this week. So, right, you know, good, good for you, I guess both of you Knicks guys, um, and your solid performances. But yeah, I'm still with Lillard. No, yeah, I I agree with you. I think we've got it narrowed down. I'm gonna go ahead and write that in more and more we're getting to the the top of our trophy here if you're unfamiliar or are new to the show we we have a weekly mvp trophy that we write the names of each winner on and i'm handwriting them and now i'm getting closer to the top the kind of cup portion of the actual trophy and it gets a little bit harder to write the names but i got it in there i think it turned out okay i'll go ahead and show it to to wyatt here hopefully you can See it in there. Yep, looking our, good. Our week eighteen through nineteen, both weeks eighteen and nineteen MVP. Congratulations to Damian Lillard. He joins Nikola Jokic. So far, the season is the only guys to win it twice. So, congratulations to him, uh, Damian. Your trophy is here uh, in our our studio. Studio is a glamorous term for my apartment. If you want to come pick that up. Um, you know, we know that you are uh, a former Utah resident. You went to school, of course, at Weaver. So if you want to come pick up your weekly MVP, uh, we would appreciate you stopping by. But congratulations. Yeah, visit your old stomping grounds. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're a little bit a little bit south of Ogden, but still kind of close. So we'd definitely welcome your your visit. But um, yeah, that, that takes care of our MVP. Congratulations again to Lillard. Let's go ahead and get things wrapped up with our this day in history, fact, uh, February 27th, we're going back to 1955, going back a while, uh, 1955 to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance with it. No, I'm just kidding. That's Back to the Future. Uh, 1955, February 27th, Boston beat Milwaukee 62 to 57 at Providence, Rhode Island in a game which set a record for fewest points scored by both teams since the introduction of the shot, the 24 second shot clock. Uh, again, that was 1955. I'm willing to bet that's a record that still stands. Um, kind of hard to beat 62 to 57 with a, a shot clock. So, yeah. I was, for a second, when I first read this fact, I thought it was going to mention the Providence Steamrollers, but uh, they did not. One of the original NBA teams that, didn't last very long, but it was just Boston playing in Providence. They've done that actually numerous times. I think they held even as recent as the eighties, they had home games in Providence at the, the, uh, or that might've been Hartford. It might be both honestly, but they've, they've done some experiments with, you know, home courts in other places other than Boston, but kind of an interesting uh, side note Uh, with that, that, takes care of everything for our monday show want to thank you all again for listening uh looking ahead to tomorrow's show we'll have our normal game summaries and key news and then we'll get back into that award chase conversation 
Uh, we've kind of done it in different formats and and pushed it off a little bit at various points in the last few weeks. But we'll get back to that in earnest, along with our normal, uh, as I mentioned, summaries and key news. So uh, thanks again. Wyatt, any closing thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Uh, no, I just got to be excited for this upcoming week of basketball. And, you know, I was just looking at your the day in history thing. When I was scrolling through highest points scored, one of those was uh, in 1959. So I thought that was pretty significant. Which one was that in 1959? Uh, They were in 12th place, and I believe it was the Lakers. And I don't remember the other team, actually. (laughs) I think it was the Celtics. Lakers and Celtics, maybe. Okay. Well, that would, that would make sense in, in 59. Those are probably two of the best teams of your total 10 teams in the NBA at the time. But um, no, yeah, maybe, maybe a follow-up fact. We'll, we'll get the specifics. Yeah. And we'll, we'll use that as a lead in for tomorrow's show. Um, but no, yeah. Thank, thank you, Wyatt. And again, thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back with you uh, tomorrow.